Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we're encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll be hearing from Dr. Christopher Graham. Dr. Graham is Vice President of Academic Affairs and Professor of Theology at Criswell College. His academic research is focused on early Christian theology and biblical interpretation, as well as evangelical and Southern Baptist theology. He and his family have been residents of Southeast Dallas for over 20 years. He and his wife have been married for 26 years and have three adult children. Without further ado, Dr. Christopher Graham. Uh, have your scripture open, uh, flip over to John chapter 21. The passage that Hayden read for us this morning is going to play into uh, the backstory of John chapter 21 that we're going to look at this morning. Don't know where you are this morning in your mind and how you're feeling. Some of you be like, man, Criswell College is like summer camp. Cookies and pretzels and barbecue and Chick-fil-A and pool parties. Woo, man. Some of you are like, I'm way too fine to be this stressed. You're listening to too much NF or Sia. You're like, it's too early. It's only week one, and I'm already stressed. And I got 15, 16 more weeks of this? Man. The message this morning today, I hope, will be something for both ends of the spectrum, regardless of where you find yourself. It continues the theme from yesterday, which was convocation, in which we called ourselves together, convocation, for us to prepare for the semester and to consider what is uh, what we have what God has in store for us this semester, prepare ourselves for that task. We continue that today looking at John chapter 21, in which I believe we can legitimately call this Peter's calling, his, his vocation uh, is, uh, is being presented here by the Lord. Perhaps some of this will be familiar to you. Perhaps some of what I will share with you this morning is old hat for some of you. Perhaps even you've heard it from me before. But uh, it is a good reminder for us as we head into the semester and want to be intentional about our vocation. I'm going to pick up the reading in John chapter 21 at verse 15. Verse 15 by the way, uh, if we were to have gone back earlier, we would have seen the, uh, some episode, a part, an episode that's very important as a background for what happens here. But John gives us a nice transition in verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Simon Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Simon Peter said to the Lord, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Let's just pause here. We're going to go on and read the rest of this and investigate the rest of this in the second part of my message this morning. But let's just pause here because what has happened here, of course, is very poignant. You certainly are familiar with the passage we've just read. And you get just, if you, this is all you read, you get just how poignant this is three times. You can, you know, John, as the, as the, as the gospel writer, has done a wonderful job building the angst that we feel along with Peter. You feel like you're there with him. Come on, Lord. Three times I've said it. Three times now. You know that I love you. Of course, it's even more striking when we just take time to think about that uh, this mirrors, juxtaposes the threefold denial by Peter of Jesus that has just happened in Peter's life, in which Peter has said three times, I do not know, I do not, I am not. But I want us to drive this point home for us to feel the gravity of what is actually happening here in this calling and to to put ourselves in and appreciate what Peter is going through in this calling upon his life. I want us to go even further back into the story because I think if we appreciate what's even further back in the story, what lies even deeper below the surface of what is here and in John 18, we appreciate just how serious this calling is on Peter's life. And so to do that, Keep, uh, keep a finger here, because we're going to come back to John 21, but let's go back to John chapter 10. We're only going to stay in the, cha- in the book of John today, make a few jumps through uh, the book of John. At the very end, we'll move just forward into Acts, but I want us to move back to John chapter 10, because I think this is a very important part of the, of this, of the backstory of this, of this pericope, of this episode that we read in John 21. And, um, and I want us to read, I want to read for you and for us to read together what Jesus says in, uh, here in John chapter 10, beginning verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd 
who is not the owner of the sheep, behold, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own knows know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm just going to stop there because I think that gives us enough to appreciate even more Uh, the gravity of what's going on in John chapter 21, right? So John chapter 21 in and of itself is this this fairly intense interaction between Jesus and Simon Peter. It's made even more intense when we step back and just juxtapose that, set that against the threefold denial of Peter just previously. It gets even more serious when we take it back to John chapter 10 and we appreciate, you get it? Jesus says... I am the shepherd. I am the door. I am the one. By the way, if you put this in continuity with all of the other I am statements that Jesus makes in in John, it is clear. I I am the one sent from heaven. I am the one come from heaven. I am the bread from heaven. I am. I am. And in John chapter 10, I am the shepherd. Fast forward to John chapter 21. Peter, feed my sheep. You're the shepherd now. Whoa, 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 whoa. You catch the gravity of what must be going on in Simon Peter's mind and thought that he now has been given the responsibility, has been delegated some authority to do that which the shepherd does. When we put it in light of what Jesus has said about himself in John chapter 10. By the way, we know that Peter gets a hint of the gravity because when he writes his epistles, he refers to the great and chief shepherd. He still puts himself in the place of understanding who is the shepherd, capital S. But here in John chapter 21, Jesus has made it very clear you, Simon Peter, are to feed my sheep. But by the way, the story doesn't actually even begin there, right? Because we have to set this in the context of what we heard read this morning in Ezekiel 34. Because the shepherds, the ones who were supposed to be the shepherds in Israel, the leaders in Israel had abused their position of being in power and being the ones called to lead the people and had done such a horrific job of it and abdicated their responsibility that as Hayden read for us this morning, God says, I will be the shepherd of my, I will come and shepherd my sheep. I will be the one who, come, who does it myself. Which makes, by the way, John 10, right? Let's forget for a moment this morning that we're talking about John 21. Just think about John chapter 10. That gives gravity to John chapter 10. When Jesus says, I am the shepherd, wait a minute, Ezekiel, God says he's coming and now you're saying you're the one. Oh my goodness, this is God doing what he said he was going to do. But now we're at John 21. And Peter receives these words, you feed my sheep. Gulp. And the question before we move on into the rest of John 21 this morning is this. Do you grasp the gravity of your calling? 
Do you get the weightiness of your calling? You know, we say in our graduate profile that we aspire to be professionals who are intentional about their vocation. And this morning I'm talking about our vocation as ones who are called to be shepherds, to be those who feed others. Uh, Peter goes on in his first epistle to say that you are a a royal priesthood. You are a a holy nation. You are the ones who are to proclaim Christ. That is us, y'all. And do we grasp the gravity of what God is calling us to do when we use that language that I hear used quite frequently now? It's not... I think it's good theological language. I think theologically it's, it's right on that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. But do you grasp the gravity of what we are doing in here on the basis of what Jesus has said, he, who he is, and what God has promised that he's going to do? So do we understand the gravity of our position? By the way, before we leave that point, let me just ask this question. Do you understand and appreciate the gravity of the position that you find yourselves in as an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ? Again, as Peter is hearing those words, feed my sheep, he is humbled. He is asking and will ask, who, me? But... Of course, going back to Ezekiel, what we know is others who find themselves in those positions are finding it easy to abuse their position of power to prey upon those that they are supposed to be feeding. And my question to us this morning is, not only do we appreciate the gravity of the calling that we have, but do we appreciate the temptation that we have to use the power that we have been given for wrong ends? And if you, if you have not come to that a point of appreciating that, you need to, and you need to ask the Lord to guide you. But we need to go on in John chapter 21. Let's move back to 21, because I think for as important as that interchange is, I think this morning we really do ourselves a disservice if we truncate, if we clip the uh, John chapter 21 after just that interchange in verse 17, because I think... For many of us, we need to hear what comes next, beginning in verse 18. Jesus saying here, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. Now, let me just pause there and and say something I probably should have said a minute ago. Part of what certainly the gravity of the situation uh, of when when Peter gets that calling, you are the sheep, or you are the, excuse me, you are the shepherd, you are the one who are now to feed my sheep. If his mind is going back to, to John chapter 10, remember, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So he already may have resonating, you know, bobbing around in his mind, the, the reality that have been called now to feed the sheep involves his own death. Verse 19 again, now this he said, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, the one who also had leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, 
Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, back to the present, therefore seeing this one, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, I know that I think I know. uh, I haven't queried every preacher and teacher of this passage, but my own experience is that we often read this in isolation and come to the conclusion that because Peter has maybe thoughts of death rolling around in his mind, he looks around and says, no, not me. What about him? He's a better candidate for this idea of death. I don't think, personally, when we read what's going on where John has directed us to, I don't think that's what Peter's question is and his concern. As a matter of fact, I'd like us again to look back at the backstory, the the things that would have been experienced by Peter that would maybe help us understand why he says, Lord, what about this man? To do that, we're going to go back to where where John, where the text here in verse 20 wants us to go back, and that is to chapter 13 of John. John chapter 13. In 21, right, where we just were, uh, uh, John, the author, gives us a flashback that this other man, and he takes us back to what we have going on in John chapter 13. Now, Just notice that uh, John chapter 13, we may know because oftentimes this is the place we go to when we talk about the Last Supper or the institution of the Lord's Supper, which certainly is appropriate for us to look at. But the majority of John chapter 13 doesn't deal with eating. It deals with the washing of feet, beginning in verse 5. And... Let's read there. Then he poured water into the basin, he being Jesus, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And Jesus came to Simon Peter and said to, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And there's more discussion here about the washing of feet. By the way, uh, again, if you take just this passage out of the, the broader narrative sweep of John, you could draw a very important and good principle, and that is the principle of servant leadership and how important it is that here we have Jesus stooping down and getting down and washing feet, and therefore we follow that as a model, right? That's, uh, that's not a, a bad point to take from this. Jesus himself will actually use this to instruct his disciples in this way. But I want us to consider this within the broader sweep of the narrative of John of what's going on. And so I want us to pick up what happens beginning in verse 21. After Jesus, when Jesus had said this, that is the teaching that he has given in the previous verses, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss of which one he was, of, of which one he was speaking. 
There was reclining on Jesus' breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Got it? You make the connection? John chapter 21, Simon Peter, in this interaction with Jesus, looks over at this one, the one we're reading about right here, the one whom Jesus loved. In John chapter 13, the one who's leaning on Jesus' breast. Simon Peter therefore gestured to him and said to him, that is this other disciple, and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning thus back on Jesus' breast, said to him, Lord, who is it? Now, the, 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 the answer is important for another uh, a plot that's going on in the, in the book of John, but I want us just to pause right here, make sure we don't miss the interaction that just happened right here, y'all. And if you have siblings at home, you know exactly what's going on right here. You know. You, want it, you need to ask mom or dad something. But you're not going to go ask mom or dad something. You're going to find the kid that you think is the one that mom or dad is going to like better at that particular moment. And you're going to say, hey, go ask mom or dad if this or that's going to happen. Because you don't want to be in the line of fire or whatever reason you have. Maybe you think they've got an in you don't have. But, but you send your, your brother or your sister in to ask the question. That's what's going on here. Simon Peter says to the one who's up against Jesus' breast, the, the beloved, he says to him, hey, find out what's going on. By the way, even if you don't have siblings, I know you all in this room know what that is like. How do I know this? Because I get emails from classes. Dr. Graham, I need to know. I've had some people in class ask me, right? And I know what's happened behind the scenes. You all been like, we got to ask Dr. Graham this question. We need to ask Dr. Graham this question. Which one does he like best? <laughs> let's send the one in that, let's send the one in that we think we're going to get the right answer to, right? Which one is he going to have more mercy on, right? That's the relationship. Simon Peter gets it. And that's what's going on here. Now, I want to fast forward to the end of this particular chapter because the chapter ends with a discussion that is, I think, very important for us to continue to understand. Remember, keep our, keep our eye on the ball, John chapter 21. That relationship is important, but so is this. Toward the end of this, toward the end of this chapter, beginning at verse 33, little children, I am with you a little while longer, Jesus is saying, you shall seek me. As I I said to the Jews, I now say to you also, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. 
which we just got to follow the lead, right? We got to follow that. I mean, that just is, uh, uh, that is uh, Jesus foretelling P to Peter and, 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 and now foreshadowing for us in the book where we need to go, which is John chapter 18. So flip over to John chapter 18. Let's pick up what Jesus has now directed us to and John has, wants to direct us to. Again, we're making our way from where John in chapter 21 took us back here to remind us what happened in that scene where there's a, you know, leaning upon the breast, and there's this one, this beloved, who gets to, Simon Peter asks this one to ask Jesus the question, and then Simon Peter says, I will follow you wherever. I will lay down my life for you. John chapter 18. And again, this is not unfamiliar to you. You know many of the details, if not all of the details here in John chapter 18. I want us to pick up the narrative, the, 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 the passage in verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. And Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought in Peter. The slave girl, therefore, who kept the door, said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Ook, Amy, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire for it was cold and they were warming themselves and Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest therefore questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. Behold, these know what I said. By the way, we got, we got what's going on here. Jesus is in getting questioned. And Jesus is saying, why are you asking me? Ask the ones who know me, who follow me, who are my disciples, who testify about me. Well, guess what, y'all? They're doing that. It's happened once. It's going to happen two more times. They're asking Peter, are you one? Are you with this one? He has a chance to be the one Jesus needs at that point. Uk emi, I am not, I am not him. Uk ego, I am not. By the way, again, if we're just looking at the beautiful structure of, of, of John, notice that this sets right up against Jesus' time in the garden, which three times he says, I am, I am, I am. And now Peter says, I am not, I am not, not me. Oof. But we're going to John chapter 21, and to get there, we need to look at a few of the other details here. First, let's talk about the act of following. Notice in verse 15, Simon Peter was following Jesus, and then he got to the door, and the other disciple comes to the rescue and gets 
Simon Peter in, and then Simon Peter stops in verse 17. Standing there, verse 18. I will follow you anywhere. Right? Haunting words for Simon Peter. Well, okay, to here. (laughs) All right, we'll, we'll call it right here. We'll just call it right here. But notice there is someone else in this scene. And that other one is the other disciple who in chapter 20 is is equated with the one whom Jesus loved. You, you recall that one, right? That's the one back here at that supper time, at that foot washing time, the one who's leaning on Jesus' breast. Now is the one who, when Simon Peter gets to the door, well, this other disciple, he knows people. I know, my, I know people. And he brings Simon Peter in, I mean, right here, And Peter was standing at the door outside, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, verse 16, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought in Peter. Get it? Right? Now let's move back to John chapter 21. And reread this interaction beginning in verse 18 in light of this backstory. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger and you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, this, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Echoes. I will follow you wherever. You can't follow me, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me. I promise, I'm going to follow you now, wherever you go. Well, it didn't quite happen that way in John 18, but now Jesus says it. Follow me. Peter turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following the one who had also leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? In light of this backstory, can I, can I just suggest another reading of this other than the fact that, that, that Simon Peter didn't want to be the, the one killed? And it's this, that Simon Peter is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Who am I that you're asking me to feed your sheep and follow you when he obviously has whatever it takes to get the job done? I mean, he's the one who was back here, who was against your breast, who, who asked the question to which you responded about betrayal. Uh, he's the one who, when I was standing outside the door, he had the means to get me inside the door. Why are you asking me when he could do it better than me? Who am I? I think if we understand this relationship of Simon Peter with the beloved disciple John, it helps us understand what's going on here better in John chapter 21. If that's the case, let me offer a couple of points of application for us this morning. First, from the perspective of the beloved disciple, that is the one who's standing over here that Simon Peter's pointing to, right? 
There will be times when, like the beloved disciple, God will choose others who are not as equipped as you are. Ba-doom. There goes my PhD. There goes all those fancy names people call me. Right there. Right out the window. There are going to be times when God will choose others that are not as equipped as you are. Do you, let's just just think about this. Peter has obviously gotten quite a name for himself through all of these episodes. How easy would it have been for the other disciples to say, and maybe especially that beloved disciple, uh, when Peter starts asserting his authority, right? Asserting what God has called him to do to, to feed his sheep. Now, wait a second, Simon Peter. Let's talk about your track record. Yeah, right. I mean, we were the ones. Weren't we the ones asking the hard questions? Weren't we the ones who got you in? Who are you? And from the perspective of the beloved disciple and the other disciples, I think we, uh, some of us at least, need to take from this the application that um, God is going to call those he is going to call, and he will equip them to do what they need to do, and we need to let them do it. Okay, but let's talk about from the perspective of Simon Peter, because some of you may be in that position this morning. I I haven't used the the lingo, but uh, this summer, as I've thought more about John chapter 21 and have been thinking about other, been exposed to other uh, uh, fields of study, I have been reminded of this term, this phrase that has uh, become popular uh, and is used imposter syndrome. It's, we're shifting away from syndrome and now calling it imposter phenomena because we don't want to, well, I'll let, I'll let the specialist talk about why the change in name, but we'll just talk about imposter. You feel like an imposter. I don't belong here. Who am I? Call him. Um, I confess that I am one of those who's been listening to way too much NF this summer. Uh, I could be working for 24 hours a day and think I'm not for good enough. My life is a movie, but there ain't no telling what you're going to see in my cinema. I want to be great, but I get in the way of myself and I think about everything that I could never be, but why do I do it? Or... See, we've all got something that we've trapped inside that we try to suffocate, you know, hoping it dies. Try to hold it underwater, but it always survives and it comes up out of nowhere like an evil surprise. Then it hovers over you to tell you millions of lies. The point I'm making is the mind is a powerful place and what you feel can affect it in a powerful way. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, but it's not always safe. Just hang with me a moment. This will only take a minute, okay? Just think about it for a second. If you look at your face, if you look at your face every day when you get up and think you'll never be great, you'll never be great. Not because you're not but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. Who, me? Who, me? Here at Criswell College? I've heard Dr. Kramer talk that this is a place for people who are called, who are serious, who are giving their lives for Jesus. And I thought I was one, and then I got in a classroom full of all these other people, and I realized, oh my goodness, whoo! Man, who am I? 
Look at my professors, my faculty. Man, they know it. They know it. They know it. I listen to Dr. Creamer preach. Oh, my goodness. Me? Those are voices inside your head, y'all, that you need to let the word of God remind you who you are. You are called to be his ambassadors. You are called to feed the sheep, to care for the sheep, to bind up the brokenhearted, to call people to reconcile with the one who is peace. That's who you are. That's who God says you are. That's who Jesus is telling Peter you are. Peter, you follow me. You follow me. You have just told me three times you love me, that you will feed my sheep. Now follow me. So that when those thoughts in your own mind come in, you go back to that, who your identity is in Christ. I'm going to close this morning by just flipping to Acts chapter eight, uh, 5, excuse me, Acts chapter 5. I, I just want to, we could go to a lot of places in the book of Acts. Because I want, here's what I want you to see as an encouragement for you this morning, that Peter gets it. I mean, it takes hold with Peter. In 21, there is a decision Peter has to make. Does he allow, does he allow himself to be captured by all the things that he had done? Can y'all, come on now. I, don't, I could never imagine the shame Peter is feeling at this moment as he is being reminded of his despicable actions there. The shame, the guilt, the, the looking around and comparing himself to others. And, and the question, right, is, well, does, does, does Peter allow that to, to change him? And I think what we have beginning at the beginning of the book of Acts and going throughout is we see that Peter allows this calling to take root in who he is and to change who he is so that he actually is acting from this calling. And I've taken us to Acts chapter 5 because I think this is one place that is a particularly helpful point to see just how radically he has changed. Verse 17, but the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy and they laid hands on the apostles and put them in in a public jail. And then we're going to skip to verse 25. But someone came and reported to them, Behold, the men whom you have put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring, proceeded to bring them back with, without violence, for they were afraid of the people, but thus they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they stood bef- them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, But Peter... And the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Again, we could go to other places in Acts, but I think Peter gets it. He allows it to change him. He allows that calling to take root in him. And the question again for us this morning is, do we hear what God says about us in our calling? Father, we uh, we give you these, these words this morning. I give you my words. 
having walked through this and pray that you would uh, take them um, correct where correction needs to happen. Magnify where magnification needs to happen. But at the end of the day, really, Father, it's not all about my words. It's about what you are doing. It's about your word to us. So my prayer this morning, Father, is that you take these words of yours that we've read from Ezekiel and from John and the book of Acts and that you would by your spirit, cause them to grow in us, to yield fruits that you would have them yield. Bring us to points of repentance, if that is what is called for. Bring us to points of boldness, if that is what is called for. We love you in Christ, by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.